there's a concept within some um, alchemical teachings which is a very interesting concept with regards to your chi and that is really about the the quality or the kind of purification of, of chi and how it takes place within alchemy practice because oftentimes within alchemy or negong or qigong we talk about quantity of chi don't you um, don't we and even even the terminology around medicine is a bit like that isn't it we talk about an excess of chi or a deficiency of chi or filling the dantian very quantitatively filling it with an amount and and so on and so on but but also there's the other factor with regards to the quality of your your chi now the quality of the chi produced you could go to some obvious things which obviously you want to take into account like your diet the quality of your diet is going to have a, a major impact upon the quality of your chi isn't it obviously um, amount of sleep you have amount of rest and activity the balance of the two like don't ever make that mistake don't make the mistake of thinking if you just rest lots you build chi in actual fact there's a kind of chi that only comes from exercise from activity or there is a there's a quality that's put into our body from that kind of work so you do need physical activity as well cardio work is not the worst thing for everybody um, definitely not because we want to take care of our body that way then we have of course the quality of the air we breathe and quality of the water we drink or swim in or, or whatever you know so there's all of those factors the obvious things so I won't talk about those too much because I think I think people understand those but there's another factor to it as well uh, which really is to do with the balance of the alchemical agents on a very simplistic very early level within alchemy practice now i'm sure that that you've heard of the ele the five element model or the five movement or the five phases model whatever you want to call it the wuxing um, and you know that it can be applied in lots of different ways to qigong or medicine or alchemy so within alchemy it can apply to the consciousness to refer to five different aspects of human being the yin soul the yang soul the spirit the willpower and so on and so on it can be applied there and that's a model that many people are familiar with and lots of chinese medicine practitioners talk about this and and that's true and then of course the five elements can be applied to your organs because we know that the kidneys and the spleen and the lungs the heart and the liver correspond to the elements as well so you'll see all of this discussed a lot but what's not talked about quite so much um, is really how the five elements on one level are used to talk about the five agents that we have to kind of take control of to purify or cleanse the chi and alchemy or to make sure it's the right quality because your chi can essentially be phew, never thought about it like this but if I wanted to break it down into the negatives it could be too hot too cold you know if your chi is very warming very activating that's a problem if it's very cooling very stagnating that's a problem um, it can also be too erratic not smooth enough okay it can be a little bit um, tight and stagnant constricting for the tendons um, it can carry a little bit too much emotional information through to your body that's a problem because the chi and the mind are very closely related so if your mind is in a negative state then that's going to affect the chi inside the body as well um, it can be in such a state that it's not functioning alongside the blood properly that's an issue the blood and the chi have to function as one unit so there's there's more you know there's a big list of various things that aren't quite right with the quality of the chi and the idea is your chi must be and the words they use I know are sometimes a little bit vague but it needs to be adhering to the center adhering to the quality of earth ultimately to the central position on the compass um, so we'll look a little bit about what that means so when we talk about chi in this sense it's a little complicated isn't it because we don't mean the chi in the channels necessarily 
but of course it's going to impact on the chi in the channels. Rather, we're talking about an overall sort of quality of the body's energetics, an overall quality, you know. So you might have an abundance of chi, you might build loads, you might build loads of energy in the Dantian and you might have learned how to absorb loads from transmission and maybe you've had alchemy pills that help practice pills and so on and so on. But, but still, maybe what's happening when your body is producing this chi is the quality is not quite right. You're not quite adhering to the center. So maybe the chi has been produced that's too hot. And then what happens? You build more of that chi and your body gets hotter and hotter and hotter, more hyperactive till it starts to burn up the fluids and dry up the yin. That becomes a problem. Or maybe your chi is too sort of viscous and cold and coagulated and you, you build it and the more energy I build, the bigger that problem gets. So then my body starts to build fluid retention and swell and stagnate and, uh, and this, this can be an issue. You know, people will gain a lot of weight then if they do qigong and they have that quality of overall quality of qi. You know, my overall quality is a bit cold, a bit stagnant, a bit slowing. So what happens is when I start building lots of energy through my effective Neigong method that I've learned from an authentic lineage or whatever, I traveled into the mountains to find this master and I got the most powerful method. But all it did was built lots of qi of the cold, stagnated quality. If your qi happens to be too erratic, the more you build, the more you'll tighten. And the more you'll tighten from that sort of erratic, fast-moving energy inside the body, it actually starts to make you stressed, makes you uptight, makes your body a bit brittle and a bit, you lose flexibility. And, and so, you know, there's all of these issues that can arise because if you have a problem and then you throw fuel on the fire, that problem can get bigger. So really, what we need to do or, or what they um, prescribed within early stage of alchemy practice was learning how to regulate the quality of the body to center it before they started building lots of qi, you know, before we started sort of trying to work on these Dantian methods and these Nagong methods to turn your body into a giant power reactor to build all this energy. We wanted it so that your body was in a good state. So they talked about fire, water, wood and metal primarily. Or, or sometimes actually they talk about the turtle and the phoenix to represent water and fire. Turtle linked to the, the water, phoenix linked to the fire. That's not that hard to figure out. Once I said it, that was kind of obvious. And then uh, wood linked to a, a green dragon and a, a white tiger linked to the element of metal. And we'll come back to the dragon and the tiger in a little bit. They like their symbology, don't they? They like their metaphor metaphorical imagery within alchemical practice. So let's look at fire and water first, really. Mm. Now, fire and water, like the five element model, has lots of different layers, can be used in lots of different ways. So we have a way of understanding fire and water in the way that we move in Qigong, especially in the system I'm in. It's very, very important to do with the raising and lowering of the center of gravity and the center of mass. So they relate to each other in a certain way. That's a kind of Qigong understanding. We then have the fire and water of um, the way that your consciousness interacts with the body. You know, and so on. There's lots and lots of different things, lots of different levels. Fire and water are discussed in many ways. But with regards to the quality of the chi and what I'm talking about here, really what we're talking about is the source of chi in your chest and the source of chi low down in the body, primarily the perineum uh, region, but or you could say called a bottom of the abdominal cavity. So let's look at that. Understanding of chi and energetics in alchemy is largely to do with directions because essentially all of the different chi in your body will go in different directions we want to govern the directions of the chi so they move towards each other and mix so you can think of it like having energy here and energy here 
And what they want to do is they want to move away from each other. That's just normal. That's what the body wants to do. Wants to just kind of spread that energy. And we want that energy to come together and unite to sort of compound it into, into one substance. That's the kind of basis of alchemy. All these models of a pestle and mortar where they put the, the ingredients in and, and bash them together, compound them into one substance, um, are really trying to describe what's going on with regards to the energy in the body. So if we start with water, your water energy, as most people will know, is sometimes linked to your kidneys, but alchemy very specifically is the bottom of the body, near the uh, perineum and the lower abdominal cavity. So the chi here is, is curious, isn't it? Because it is very much linked to your essence and your jing. And anybody who's done any qigong study will find lots of writings on the jing. And of course, lots of people get paranoid, especially young males, um, over how much jing they're losing from sexual activity and, and so on and so on. And we know it's linked here. But if you think about your, your chi, really, if you think about it in, in terms of directions, it's kind of like you have a storehouse of it, you know? Like here, here is the, the water element chi, and here it's nice and condensed. And when it's condensed, it's powerful, it's strong, and the, the chi is squeezing in, you know. And when it's powerful and strong and squeezed in, then my lumbar can feel strong, and my abdominal muscles can feel strong, and, and generally my flanks are held up, and my hips are strong, my legs are strong. There's a kind of robustness, you know. And if you're very young and you listen to this, you won't even know, probably won't even know what it feels like to not have that quality, because you do feel kind of strong around that area. But as you age and the water element starts to sort of change and adjust, that chi will kind of disperse and, and spread. And if, if you think about like how something is, if it's dispersed as opposed to when it's condensed, it just loosens. It's like it unravels. It's like someone's undone the corset. <laughs> it's sort of undercut the strings. <laughs> Everything's gone like that. It's like your, your belly's fallen out of your waistband after a big meal or something, you know. So when the water chi disperses like that, you can end up with the lumbar feeling weak um, and the abdominal wall feels a bit weak, a bit flaccid. You can't even feel any abdominal muscles anymore and the sides get weak and your, your flanks and your butt don't feel very... I'll stop putting my elbow. I won't put my elbow through the glass there. And your, your legs and your knees, they'll just feel weak, you know, just kind of like unbound. And for a lot of people, when they get to this serious depletion of this water energy because it's spread, this water chi, then there's no structural integrity to the lower body and you can feel quite fragile. And obviously you age and age and age, you do become quite fragile there. So even if you just kind of slip over, you know, then you pop a hip or pop a knee or your back goes out or something like that. Whereas kids don't normally get that. If the water energy is nice and consolidated, don't get that issue, right? You know, like when you're young, you can fall off a chair and fall out of a tree and slip on the ice and bounce on your butt and you're all right and you, there's nothing wrong with you. Whereas when you're an adult, you sleep with the wrong pillow or your leg in the wrong position, you're practically crippled the next day. It's amazing how vulnerable you are as you get older, you know, just to these stupid little things, just because the chi is not squeezed, not consolidated enough. So to get, to get the water energy to, to build, the water chi to build, we want it to move in, we want it to consolidate. Now, it is true that there are breathing methods that do this, and there are kind of exercises where you focus the mind down low on the dantian or just below to bring it in. And yeah, there's all sorts of methods like that. That's true. But the most important one really comes to your, your mind state, as much as anything, your mental state. Because every one of the parts of your body that energetically the move relate in some way to the mind. And very much it's to do with um, desire that disturbs that water chi. So every time you're moved towards a kind of base desire, which isn't just sex, it can also be something to do with survival or, or fear, or it can be a primal thing, like I want power, or I want food, or, or you know, all those kind of 
base kind of reptilian brain kind of things, you know. Anyone who, anytime your mind is kind of drawn to those kind of things or caught up in that kind of activity, that water element she gives like a pulse and, and moves. And, and it will sound odd to those of you who are more grounded, but as someone that's able to see this process taking place, that is actually what happens, that she pulses, like a little sort of magnetic, magnetic field just kind of does that. Whenever that kind of mental quality is generated, anything linked to those desires, and as that happens, that pulse creates like a whole movement, a whole mechanism of chi within the body, which stimulates the heart towards desire, which stimulates the sexual fluids towards being produced, and, and so on and so on. It's like a whole mechanism taking place inside your body there, you know? So you could do clever methods or you could take herbs to build yin and build essence, consolidate or astringe the essence and, and things like this, that's true. But ultimately, it's curbing your desires or not being led by them that is most important. And we can see that with almost all spiritual traditions, but definitely in alchemy, because they talked about a period of stepping away from the desires. And it wasn't just learning how to have an orgasm and suck your semen into your brain, which sounds messy anyway. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about inward orgasms or, or the funny one. What's the one people press on the perineum at the point of uh, orgasm, which must be rather amusing uh, during sex when you get to that point. I hope you don't do it with a new partner. You know, first time getting to that stage of intimacy and you're, you're just getting to the climax and you just have to kind of reach around with your thumb and press it up into the perineum to stop the sexual fluids in a <laughs> strange act that's going to scare them off. Now, it's all of those things like, all right, you might derive a small amount of benefit from it. <laughs> I don't know, but not really. Like, not not on a deep alchemical sense, because ultimately, um, you've still, I presume, I assume, been stimulated to desire uh, in some way in order to get to that stage. You know, so it's more to do with the mental connection to your desires that really consolidates that jing. So that doesn't mean you have to step away from your desires completely. You need to be able to lead a normal life. But most people aren't normal. They don't have a good balance of it. They either have no desire, which is probably because they burnt it out completely, or they live in that state and they constantly generate it. And that's no good. And it doesn't matter how clever your retention techniques might be. If you're living in that state of desire, it's not good, man. You ain't going to be able to think straight. You're not going to be able to see life properly because everything in life's only going to be opportunities for consumptions or things that generate fear because you're not going to have enough consumption or ideas of dominance or sort of achievement or sexual drive. Like, it's not a way to view the world, is it? So I think more importantly than clever sexual techniques, it's about this kind of understanding of learning to work with our desires so that rather it's better that you are aware, oh, there is a desire. That's all right. I don't need to follow it right now because I've got other stuff going on. So it doesn't deviate my attention away from what I'm doing. And the more that I separate these kind of ideas, so the desire is there, but that's all right, I'm busy focusing on something else, the more the jing will gradually start to consolidate inwards. This water chi will start to gather. Everything gets very firm and very solid around the lower body and around the back. Abdomen gets strong, spine gets strong, joints get strong. And really all I've done is just learned how to govern my desires. I've learned how to step away a little bit from that part of my attention or part of my mind is trying to draw my attention towards this kind of leakage um, and use of the water element energy. So that's one of our first things to regulate, you know. And when that water energy comes in and gathers, it's curious that they talk about the spark of yang being produced there. And if you look at the trigram for water, what it has is two yin lines with a yang line in the middle. And that yang line, because we would associate water with yin, but that yang line's kind of hidden spark that's contained within that essence. 
So what happens is when that water squeezes in and it gets nice and solid, nice and condensed, first your body gets very robust, and then afterwards it's like a little spark, and it does feel like that. It's like someone's got two little flint stones, giving them a little, not, I don't mean the cartoon characters, I mean the little bit of stone, and you bash the flint together, and a little spark comes up. And when that spark comes up into the Dantian, because that's what happens, it ignites it, and you feel this great sort of heat starting to build inside the Dantian. And it's not the same heat that you get for concentrating on it, which is normally increased blood flow around that area of the body, but rather it is like a little electric spark or like a little fire has gone off inside the abdomen. And essentially how that's happened is because you've ignited the, the pure yang, chun yang they call it, that exists inside, inside that water energy, you know, and you, you get it by getting it to come in. I've seen people try to, and I've been with schools that have tried to do this, try to get that spark by picturing fire in the abdomen or picturing the color red or essentially using their imagination or, or whatever but it's not the way you know it's not natural it's not non-governing definitely not it's it's not really the Taoist way the Taoist way was to get everything to move towards a state where it's naturally consonant and allow the body to do what it naturally should do when it's functioning at a certain level that's what we're trying to do so that's the water and when that spark is there and that everything consolidates then what you have is life but you also have a very strong anchor on the bottom of the body to stop the next chi, which is your fire element, from becoming a problem. Because the chi in your chest is linked to fire. So the chi in your chest largely really, I suppose you could say it's accumulated around the heart and the lungs, controls your, your breathing and your, your pulsing of the heart and, and warms the blood, warms the body, things like this. But it also connects your emotional mind. So what will happen is the more emotional stress you have or the more emotional activity um, or the more kind of heightened in your head, which in my opinion is a bit of a, a pandemic these days. People talk about the pandemic of, of COVID, sure, epidemic, pandemic, whatever we're in, I don't know. But there's also the um, pandemic of, of emotional <laughs> instability that rushes through the world. And of course, the, the fear mongering and, and the whatever, or, the, or maybe the fears warranted who knows but as it's rampaging through the world this generates more of this kind of emotional instability as well and what similar to sexual drive causing that pulse of the water element down the bottom of the body the fire element is caused to pulse by your emotional activity so if you're very stressed this movement out what it's going to do is warm the body and send more energy into your nervous system it's going to put you into fight or flight create all that activity but it's also going to disperse the chi from this area of the body we don't really need to go into that because um, I think like a discussion of the emotions is a whole discussion on its own. And I, I will talk about it a little bit now I've said that. And I often seem to get in trouble here because I don't believe that your emotions, it's not even what I believe. I mean, for Christ's sake, it's actually traditional teachings from, from many generations. It's that I don't believe your emotions should be got rid of and you shouldn't allow them to function. I'm here. I take enjoyment, at, maybe not that, it was a bad example at stroking the pot. I, I like the water, that's nice. I like the sound, the view is beautiful. I'm very happy here. There's even the smell of the place. Like it smells, if you've never been to Southeast Asia, I suppose the closest thing is like the smell of the inside of a tropical greenhouse, it's beautiful. You know, there's all sorts of emotions for me generated by being here. But I have to say those emotions don't help me, help me in my cultivation. They help me with regards to my life because they give me a connection to it and experience something. They give me the rich experience of existence, but they don't really help me with my cultivation, especially because during practice, ultimately, if I'm going to sit there in meditation, just totally 
running through all these emotions. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so angry. I'm so sad. I'm so fearful. Like <laughs> running through all of these emotional states. Then, of course, all that's going to happen is the fire energy is just going to disperse um, all over the place because that's a part of the mechanism in the same way as when I touch the, the little, I got one, an old gas boiler and I press the button, click, 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 and then the fire goes up. Young people won't even know what such a boiler is, I don't expect, but it, it kind of like the ignition on a sort of gas cooker or something, I suppose. Like, it's the same with your body. When I have that emotional energy or emotional experience, that fire energy kicks in and it stimulates the heart and it stimulates the nerves and it stimulates the somatic ability to experience feelings. And that's wonderful while I'm living, but while I'm trying to meditate, it can be a bit of a nuisance because ultimately I want that fire elemental energy to consolidate in as well and gather. Not squeeze, that's bad for your heart, but definitely to consolidate around the chest region. Because then what happens is when it gathers to a high enough degree, it starts to descend and it descends on its own accord. And when it starts to descend from long periods of calm and centeredness, it will come down and it will meet the spark that's coming up from underneath from the consolidation of the water energy by moving away from our desires. So really, what do we have? Two emotional qualities. That's it. That's two emotional qualities stepping away. Well, that's not true. It's a bad description. Two mental exercises, if you like. Step away from your desires and calm your emotions. And what will happen is then the chi will gather and then there's actual energetic mixing of the two that takes place. There's a biomechanical or energetic mechanical component to the body that will start to take place when those parts of your mind are taken care of. Now, I've seen people that have tried to force this before the mind is calm, calm enough for the chi to consolidate and before it's calm enough for the, for the water to condense or, or to astringe together. And all that happens is they get an imbalance because if they're still very, very emotional, still all the time here, I love my emotions, they're the most important thing about me. Then what happens is when that spark comes up, it ignites the fire that comes up. So what happens is people will do alchemy or qigong or meditation and they become more and more emotional, more and more sensitive in a bad way, more and more highly strung all the time, until ah, everything's burning up here around the head. It's because you didn't settle the mind. You didn't settle the mind before you consolidated the fire. And then the other thing can happen where people can settle the mind, but they don't really settle their desires. So what happens is when that chi starts to descend, there's nothing to anchor it. So consequently, this all depletes on the bottom of the body. So then your physical health starts to, starts to fail. And then that's quite curious, isn't it? Because if you're someone who was very, say, sexually obsessed, and maybe you're addicted to pornography or something like that, which is a, a common problem these days. I was quite surprised just how common it is. But I guess a lot of people are growing up in an age where pornography, even from a young age, is very, very accessible. Now, when I was younger, it wasn't because the internet wasn't really a thing. And I was a bit slow coming to the internet anyway to sort of realizing what it was. I, I sort of turned up to the internet many, many years late, later, than, <laughs> later than everybody else. But certainly we didn't have access to this constant barrage of information and stimulation, desire stirring stuff on our telephone, our computer, as young people do. So I've been surprised by how many weak water element energy young people have met. And, and, and as far as I can see, that's what it's from. And sometimes they settle their mind and they sink the chi, but then there's nothing here because they're just disturbing and living according to their desires all the time. So the physical health fails. So then they get this kind of deficiency, deficiency of the joints, of the muscles, of the bone, of the brain, of the thinking, of the willpower. It's just not there, you know? And I feel sorry for them because it's not their fault as much as anything because it was very easy for me to develop willpower when I didn't have so much stimulation when I was younger. But 
now it would be a different world if I had to sort of <laughs> consolidate that water element energy if I'd have had the same if I'd have had the same distractions when I was younger it might have been tricky but this is essentially what you're trying to do and to regulate these so they come together yeah? so that's fire and water to get them to draw in you know like two of the ingredients but then we have what well we have the metal in the wood or the dragon and the tiger yeah so the start with the tiger shall we so the tiger symbolizes the element of metal um, or in this case it's your breath and it's your breathing so the symbology of the white tiger can mean lots of things in alchemy once again depending on where you are it can it's a type of chi um, it's it's a quality of your spirit it's it's a part of your energies like it's so many different things but it's also on a simplistic level your breathing your breath so the idea is is that tiger must be involved in the fire and water and we'll look at how in a minute but but really your breath breathing to me like anybody who's encountered meditation or qigong or yoga pranayama will know that the breath is quite important the practice right it's like a major uh facet of of any of these arts but really your breathing can be used in three different ways this is how i see it three different ways for your breath there's probably more but these are my simplistic ones number one observing the breath you get lots of arts that observe the breath right now when you observe the breath or pay attention to breath as in like you know a lot of early mindfulness practice and things like that your breathing will change it will regulate which would be better for your health and better for your mind but that's not really what it's trying to do is it it's not trying to regulate your breath it's using your breath to help regulate the mind because you're using the breath as an object of meditation to achieve unity so in that way your breathing is used as something for concentration for absorption for stability of the mind it's an object that's the first way breath is used the second way is your breathing the actual breathing mechanism is changed so when you learn things like i don't know correct abdominal breathing or reverse abdominal breathing or these kind of techniques you know or or um any of those anything that regulates and loosens the diaphragm and deepens the breath and looks at how to make you breathe deeper so it's not held up in your chest well that's that's a different way to use your breath isn't it because now it's not like the the buddhist sort of vipassana sati practices where you're using the breath to affect the mind now you're actually controlling the breath you use it as a mechanism so now we're using the breath really to regulate the quality of the nervous system and so oxygenate the blood of the body and balance the co2 and the o2 in the system um, and to anchor it down so the chi descends and, and maybe use it to well all sorts of things you know i mean there's all sorts of things that breathing is used for but now we're using the breath as a mechanism right and sometimes i see people don't divide the two they don't realize that although they're intertwined to a certain degree because if i observe the breath it will naturally anchor um, but they're separate mechanisms right they work in different ways then we have a third way which is really pressurization of the body using breath this is more like a lot of the yogic techniques and a lot of the later alchemy techniques really about breath retention and squeezing regions of the body and locking regions of the body and if you've done any of that kind of work then you know after a while it builds a kind of pressure and after a while the energy can ignite which is why those kind of breathing methods are often linked to a kind of fire the tumo or or something like that that arises within the body and alchemy uses to ignite one of the you know several of the five fires later in the system you know so it all appears you know they, it appears in every system but you see there's a third way of using the breath because now you're not using the breath just to make the breath as good as you can you're using the breath to pressurize chambers of the body and pressurize the energy of the body so whichever mechanism you're using depending upon your system really in the early stages the breath wants to be regulated 
so that it can interface with this fire and water process as best as it can. And I'll come back to that in a sec, because then the fourth element is going to be your green dragon or your wood element, okay, your green dragon, which ultimately represents the smoothness of the blood and the chi in the body in the early stages of alchemy. Again, the green dragon represents other things later, because I can already hear all of the, in my mind's ear, <laughs> all of the the alchemy buffins, well, actually, I think you'll find in the Canton Chi that your dragon is referring to blah, 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 blah. Yeah, all right. It refers to different things in different traditions, I'm quite aware. And also it refers to different things at different stages. But at the beginning, in the early stage, uh, in the systems that I was taught, it's primarily the smoothness of the blood and the Chi that they're worried about. And if you know anything about Chinese medicine, you'll know why smoothness of Chi flow and quality of blood and liver and wood and are all linked together, you know, elementally. So we want the blood and the chi to flow smoothly. Well, the chi flowing smoothly is really going to be kind of taken care of by the other things. If the water is good, the fire is good, and the breathing is good, then the chi will tend to flow smoothly. But I mean, also, we need the body to be mobile and developed to assist it. So lots of opening the joints, stretching the body out, Dao Yin practice, um, asana practice in other systems, you know. We have these ways to mobilize the chi in the body. We also want the chi to be able to move by releasing the nerves so that the body is song, body is released so that it's not getting trapped in the nervous system via because of stress or whatever. So we have all of these kind of, you know, mechanisms and practices to smooth the chi. But then the blood also needs to be smooth. So the blood really um, is to do with mental stress as much as anything and also diet. That's a big factor as well. A lot of people are blood deficient because they don't know how to regulate stress or regulate their diet. But I say, because <laughs> blood deficiency is a, a, a big study. I think anybody who does Qigong or anybody who does Tai Chi or anyone who has an interest in um, anything Chinese related in turn really should go look up blood and blood deficiency and what it means in Chinese medical theory because it's very, very important and it is something that people fall down on. Because, yeah, okay, you need lots of Qi and you need the Qi to flow smoothly, but you also need good blood good blood. Blood anchors the uh, spirit into you to calm everything down and send to your mind, moisturizes and lubricates the body. It also kind of dictates how smooth you can change your mind. Someone with very sort of deficient blood tends to be either kind of lethargic or if the blood is kind of stagnant, like very erratic in their mind and very kind of sometimes very fixed, you know, it's not, not very, it's not a good mental state to be in. So I really want the blood and the chi to be, to be smooth. So really, they say that the dragon and the tiger must copulate is the terminology they use, or they must interface with each other, if you like, which means that I use my breath to regulate the quality of the chi in the blood as well. So really here we're looking at the second mechanism of breath, isn't it, which is about developing abdominal breathing, allow it to be smooth and eddy and steady and even so that we can access the quality of the blood and the chi, really. That's what they're referring to. So now what happens? What do we have? Those are the basis on a real foundational level of uh, fire, water, wood and metal or turtle, phoenix, <laughs> tiger and dragon or whatever. And, and when these are all in balance, so the, the breathing is governing the, the blood and the chi and the blood and the chi are then sort of anchoring the quality of the breath via your stress levels. And then the fire and the water are starting to combine because they're coming down together. Then they're all combined. Those four will come together and generate earth which compass-wise is linked to the direction of the centre. So in alchemy, if we say someone is centred, it doesn't normally just mean they're calm, it's actually normally that term centre is referring to the element of earth, 
The reason I tell you that is because I see now chemical books where metaphorically they talk about the center, the central direction or, or being in the center and people have mistakenly equated it with kind of the Western psychological idea of being emotionally centered. Now, of course, being emotionally centered is, is good anyway. It's a good state to be in. But really, when they talk about center, they're talking about earth element and the development of the of, of what arises when fire, water, wood and metal <laughs> come together in, in one place. Because earth is looked at in different ways. One way is it's part of that five element cycle, which I'm sure you've seen. But another way is earth sitting at the center. And this earth that sits at the center is then an amalgamation of the other four elements coming together. And when it comes together, what it does is it produces a particular quality of chi. It, I mean, it's not even that metaphorical. It is a form of energy that's produced. And nowadays, especially in the West, Western people, and Western science rather, I should say, is very arrogant. And I guess it has a right to be arrogant because it saved lives across the planet. You know, but Western science also has a downside, doesn't it? It might have created penicillin, also created the atom bomb. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it has its swings and roundabouts. But I think there's an arrogance in Western science because it thinks it can always explain something and reduce it to something we already know. And I see that a lot in the Qigong community where people saying this form of energy just means that your endocrine system is functioning well or it just means that you've got lots of ATP in the body or, or whatever. They come up with something. Um, and while those things might be a factor, actually there is, a, there is something else. There is a form of energy that is produced in the body that only practitioners would really know about because they've experienced it. And that form of energy that's produced um, is a particular form of energy, but they call it kind of upright chi that is produced by the element of earth, by the amalgamation of the others. It's different from the upright chi that we talk about in Chinese medicine. It has crossovers, parallels but it's different. It's a form of energy that's produced in the body. And this chi is considered harmonized and healthy. It's kind of the, the medicinal chi that your body can produce. So if somebody just does qigong and just produces a lot more chi that's very hot, for example, too fiery, they might feel energized at first, but the energy is gonna turn into agitation. That's what's gonna happen. And so on and so on for the other imbalances, because it won't last very long, that increase before that increase fuels the fire. But this earth element energy that's produced, which isn't energy from the spleen, try not, you have to learn when to separate it from Chinese medical theory a little bit. But when that kind of energy is produced, they liken it to sowing the seeds and then yellow, they call it about yellow sprouts arising or golden coins, yellow, gold, linked to the element of earth. But essentially it's a form of chi that, that's built in the body that nourishes the body and it kind of resets everything. It's a bit of a kind of form of medicine. And this chi wants to be descended down towards the Dantian where it starts to enter into the space where we store it. When that happens, the chi becomes very, very healthy. So now the more people practice their alchemy, when they can get that quality, then that's where the health benefits come and the longevity benefits and the channels will open and the body will function on a higher level. All of those things that we're increasingly moving towards saying we're not allowed to say arises from qigong but anyone who's done the practice correctly know that it does and it definitely arises in alchemy this kind of medicinal therapeutic qi but it's quite hard to form you know it's not like you get a hundred people doing alchemical meditation and a hundred people would find this medicinal qi most would have errors because human beings get things wrong sometimes they're not taught well sometimes they're just not very good at what they do sometimes they don't commit themselves properly to the practice or, or whatever 
you know, so what happens is you end up building an abundance of hot chi or an abundance of cold chi or an abundance of sort of erratic chi or, or whatever, or they're trying to build it on a basis of deficient blood or something. And, and we don't want that. We want, we want to get to a stage where we're producing this healthy medicinal chi if we can. And some people will get it. And that's where you get the, the rejuvenating benefits. So that really, I don't want to talk about it too much more because uh, I've noticed that some of you don't like the long podcasts I do, which is funny because I normally do them mostly for myself anyway. I just like talking through concepts in my head. It helps me consolidate things. But I've noticed, and I've had feedback people saying they like them when they're about 40 minutes long rather than the hour or the hour and a half ones that I used to do. And I get it. Time's fleeting in life and and you know why would you want to listen to me for that long so I'll stop the talk here and try to keep it at a sensible length for you but this uh, this harmonization of the five elements on this level of understanding the five elements for me is an important foundation in your body with regards to energetics something we can look at something we can try to understand for ourselves, and something we can kind of take an active part in developing so that our practice goes in the right direction so a very basic talk tonight as we get to the evening, sun's disappearing, things are getting dark, the bugs are going to come out soon and eat me alive, so I look forward to that. But it's, it's a you know, beginner's level talk, but yeah, that's what I was in the mood for talking about, so <laughs> hopefully it helps somebody.